A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's the second time it's gone off. Never go home. They never go home. They never go home. Those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sports important. Nearly 100 days on from the announcement that Stephen Kenny's time as Republic of Ireland manager was up, we finally have a successor on an interim basis for the March Friendlies against Belgium, Swiss and Hamer. <laughs> hey, Owen, how's it going? We'll take broke, it. We'll, we'll take it. Take it for now. The news broke while we were recording yesterday's football podcast. Hot breaking news during the show. And it gave rise to speculation about O'Shea maybe getting the gig full time if things go well next month. I, I can't wait for our 5 1 win against Belgium, followed by our, our 6 0 thrashing of Switzerland. Give it us, give it Shazzy well, until well, end of course that's going to happen. Obviously, if he has a couple just, positive results, the people yeah. will say that. Yeah. Even, well, I mean, even can despite his lack of managerial wasn't experience. Gareth Southgate an interim manager? Well, I'm looking at the. He, he, I think he was. There is something magical about the interim manager that yeah. just elevates, you know, Solskjaer, Gleason. I mean, I noticed the Ireland women's team haven't actually scored a goal since. <sighs> yeah, I mean, sure, fine, Ken, but she's still the woman to lead Irish football forward. It's true. Uh, now, we had a 2-0 defeat against Wales last night and a nil all against Italy. They're the two results since the permanent... But, you know, things are just... Things, the moment, mm. Momentum is developing. Um, yeah. Uh, Continuity. I mean, he was there towards the end of the Stephen Kenny reign. An Irish legend. Things didn't go very well at Birmingham. I did mention this last week. Nutmeg Luis Figo. <laughs> uh, okay, well, I'll say things didn't go amazingly at Stoke results-wise. Yeah, Give I me mean a, a, ridi- a, ridi- a ridiculous amount of Premier League titles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, yeah. Keep it me with the positive. Sure I'm sure the FAI mentioned the Birmingham thing. In fairness, actually. as I mentioned last week, the Birmingham thing. So he he was with Rooney. Rooney brought him in there. Uh, Rooney was gone pretty quickly. Tony Mowbray was the next manager and tried to get O'Shea to stay on, and said O'Shea. John came in to see me. John wants to be a football manager somewhere along the line. We had a long chat. I tried to persuade him to stay, but he's going to go off, spend some time with his family, and look for the next opportunity. I wish him all the best. He's a good man and good company. Yeah, this is his. It's it's a pretty big gig to begin your managerial career. Well, look, it's it's an interim manager appointment um, with uh, Paddy McCarthy, who I should say is a very highly rated coach at Crystal Palace and has managed Palace at, at various points for. I mean, he was managing there, them the other day. Oh, of week, course, yeah, right? because uh, Hodgson, Hodgson had to go to sick hospital, and the new man hadn't come in yet. Yeah, um, but uh, I mean. <sighs> Uh, you know, apparently the FAI didn't want to appoint an interim manager for like Stephen Kenny's the, the last couple of games Stephen Kenny was doing. You know, yeah. the Holland game and who was it? The, who was the last game against um, New Zealand? New Zealand, yeah. yeah. Um, because you know they they had that fear. You know, when, when the interim manager wins and wins, and then everyone's like, "Why don't we just appoint the interim manager?" Yeah. 
Um, and we've seen it happen a few times, and it's it, it doesn't always. Yeah, yeah. This is a, a severe bang of, uh, why don't we call it Love Day, but something better than that. <laughs> Happy Love Day, everybody. <laughs> I mean, at least it's an idea. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, this is, um, they've obviously decided, okay, we, we now have to do that. And let's just put it this way, Owen. I'm a lot happier to see the story, FAI appoint John O'Shea as interim head coach of the men's national team. And by the way, Owen, I just read that from the FAI website, which is alive again. It's yeah. Alive. No, no, it, it came back to life for me as well here. Um... Yeah, uh, I am... Um, Five Premier League titles on. What about that never-to-be-forgotten night in Gelsenkirchen? Oh, it was a great night. I watched that with you, Murph, and Ken. I did. In my yeah. watched it all together. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good It was, a, it was a very good we night. We were kind of reliant on a positive Ireland result for our TV show that was going to be on the next night to yes. carry the, the required positive correct. energy. And I do remember driving back to uh, the office in our own like mini-staged like, Walkenstown roundabout during Italia 90. That's how happy we were <laughs> that goal went in. Did we get the quote from Mark Canham? Uh, no, we haven't carried that well, yet. John O'Shea says he's del- I'm delighted to return to the senior men's coaching staff. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Mark Canham says, We're delighted to announce John and Patty as interim head coach and assistant coach for the March Fixers. John has developed a strong level of excellent coaching experience across both domestic and international football and has recently been involved with both under 21 and senior level alongside his considerable achievements as an international player and in his club career. Considerable. More than considerable, I would have said. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in the room. I'm not saying anything really, you know. That's the most random hockey. Is that from our game that changed my life with John O'Shea? I have to go back and listen to that one now, maybe, yeah. tonight. John knows this group of players extremely well, and with his with the support and expertise of Paddy, we believe this team are the right choice. You left that one out, Murph. For the interim period. His under-18 European title with Ireland. Paddy has fantastic experience as a coach and 16, is a great maybe. addition to the staff. Alongside his current role as Crystal Palace, his experience will prove invaluable to John and the team for these next two matches. We are also pleased to confirm that the process for the appointment of a new men's head yes, coach yes. is near completion. <laughs> uh, all right. And we are looking forward to announce that appointment in April. Oh, in Yay. April. We've got a month. Good. Not March. We're in no February rush. now. Not next We're month. We're in February, yes. Yeah, so it's it's an extra long February. So for now, the focus is on the upcoming matches against Belgium and Switzerland at the Aviva Stadium and supporting Jean and his team as they prepare for the games and Mark. So hang on. Statement. That's a weird one, right? So, the, so they're obviously saying, oh, like, why April? Well, because obviously these games just, are in March. I think they're just giving themselves an extra few weeks. But I'm out. just looking at it say, all right, so those games are 23rd and 26th of March. So there could be an argument, oh, we don't want to appoint a, you know, we don't want to muddy the waters before that one by appointing we, we, now, a senior we manager. We can no longer appoint a senior manager So we have to wait until after those games. I think if you got it done before then, you could probably just announce it before then. Just go ahead and announce it, lads. Debt free, right. debt free by 2020 owned. Debt free by 2031. <laughs> manager by April. Permanent manager. Could be John O'Shea. First Paddy ever, McCarthy. yeah. First ever Ireland manager this to have been to told Irish by my uncle. We're few, go on, yeah. Wait, Sorry, what was what was that? Go first there. ever Ireland senior men's coach to have been told Irish by my uncle. Trap didn't get no. My uncle taught both John Milan and John O'Shea. Ah, different characters. I love me county. Very different characters. <laughs> Very different characters. Though. Very different. People of Waterford in my life. Yeah. Yeah, not better, not worse. What did he say about John O'Shea? I, I, I'm, I've never heard anyone have a bad word to say about John O'Shea. Why don't you say to me what you think my uncle thinks of Your John uncle thinks he's a great lad. Lovely fella. Bloody great lad. Bright bright chap. Very bright. Yeah, always always wanted to play the football, but he, he, you know, he would have succeeded in anything. He didn't, he didn't <laughs> neglect his studies on. Yeah, that's, that's, and that's very important. Why are we disrespecting him by only giving the interim manager? He's been staring us in the face all along. Yeah. No, the, the, the point that I was, I think, tr- trying to make about 10 minutes ago and then just got distracted oh, yeah. was I am a lot happier to read this headline about John O'Shea 
as being interim head coach than I would have been to read Paul Clement announced as new yes. Ireland manager, you know, yeah. or and I, you know Paul Clement could be any any one of uh, Chris Coleman, you know, there could have been, there's been a bunch of Kurtz. names floated. Pards, Alan Kirbishley, let's uh, John Carver. You know what I mean? Pick the right we're, person. We're, it's good. I, I I would rather do this. As John O'Shea obviously knows who the. The, the team, the Ireland team, he, he's been working with the players. I mean, it's like, yeah. it is a continuity appointment in this sense. Uh, I think it's, I think it's good uh, for, for that purpose. And I don't know if he wins the games, maybe we'll just give him the job because I'd rather John O'Shea than Paul Clement. I'll put it that way, Tion. Brano has just popped in here to, to stick his oar in. Uh, maybe I wasn't showing enough John O'Shea love. Brano's listening outside. Thanks. Yeah, uh, I think this is great. More positivity required? I think this is really good. I mean, we're being of, broadly positive, to be fair. Out of every single name I've heard, uh, I've always had like a question mark over all of them and been, after like five minutes of thinking, then got really grimmed out. Mm. Uh, apart from Lee Carsey, obviously. And you've had five minutes the of thinking golden downstairs. Elephant. Yeah. <laughs> 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 golden elephant. <laughs> golden elephant. Happy birthday, Lee Carsey. Happy birthday, Lee Carsey. 50, 50 today. John O'Shea's uh, 42. He's got, a, got, some, got, got a few some years, years on him. him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is great. John O'Shea, one of Ireland's most decorated ever I'm about to use the word greatest but most decorated ever well, footballer what, yeah well, well, so, going by that would you put Roy Keane in the job he's been he's ten been, years ten years younger than Roy he's been bouncing around coaching a couple of teams well, picking up some the tips team. I know yeah what's, what's the problem here this is really good I would just you mean full time so are you talking about not just interim I, he's never managed, I w- I he's would never say, managed a football team. That's a slight problem. I would say he's, <laughs> I would say he's going to be... He's a real details man. <laughs> Jürgen Klinsmann hadn't managed anyone before he took over. Did you see I, what he did at Tecorator? That's a completely... Well, yeah, a complete I mean, I'm, I'm the more he managed, the worse yeah. he got. The so more he got. <laughs> 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 we're get in now yeah, get on O'Shea. First pressing. Get the best of him. Yeah. Um, of course, O'Shea appeared in my... As, as, as Ken did in Care's Kids. So, yeah. you know. But if they're saying that he's going to... Oh, yeah. Well, you see, this is... Oh, see, we, this is because we all it all de- becomes clear now. We have dealings with John O'Shea. You come, up, you come away feeling Give it good Colin Hawkins till end of season, says <laughs> Brad What The April thing is interesting because... So if he does win those two, they're giving themselves leeway... To appoint him. He's but the Ireland manager. But it, but he's they the Ireland manager. Oh, is <laughs> that what you're saying? Yeah. It's not just interim. Well, who's going to... What are we going to do? Go through the list of, like, grim British managers of the last 20 years? For the, He's the Ireland manager. What about Kevin wow. Moore? What about Kevin Moore and brother? Yeah, I think you, Kevin Moore is... I mean, so is the it's so hard to do the, you know, move from player to manager. Yeah. Code breaker? I mean, yeah. in many ways, he would be so, a code breaker. So John O'Shea, if, if he mm. was managing things, went badly. As what, interim manager, yeah. You, well, how do you, things go badly? Like, like we lose both games, three nil. <sighs> we Come don't. on, like, oh, sorry, are they not sorry. just are they not just buying themselves time? I'm to, not. I'm not. I'm not, gonna, they, I'm not going to have a debate where you're just like, oh, what if the things go wrong? Like, yeah. The things haven't go wrong. He's just been appointed, and I'm really. <laughs> I, I think this is a good news story. He's a young, a young Irish coach. Yeah, younger uh, than fifty. Yeah, yeah. younger That's than good. fifty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from Waterford, like not a you know. I have a friend from Waterford, so but like, yeah, so that's good. <laughs> some of my best friends are some uh, of my my, my favorite. Relatives I just, I just think this is all really, really positive news. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Uh, Owen, I like you and I like your style. The second captain, we've got that bit better quality. It's constantly at any place, anywhere, all over the world. Full of protein. It's information, fluid information. I don't know what you're talking about. You can do it while you're cleaning the house, brushing your teeth, taking a bath. Trying to be critical is going to be impossible. Now, the FAI haven't had much positive press of late, but Damien Delaney was on today and he feels, certainly in terms of the search for a new manager, they're trucking along quite nicely. I think the FAI have done this really good on disappointment. And insofar as... You know, the length of time it's taken obviously isn't ideal, but like there's been no murmurings of anything. Like there's been nothing leaked of note. You know, it's all guesswork, it's setting guesswork. And I think that's the way it should be as well in a professional environment that they've kept their cards relatively close to their chest. Um, it's not been a, a, a shit show by any stretch of the imagination. So I think they've done well in that regard and they, they do deserve credit for that. And you can't rush into a decision like this. They've obviously interviewed thoroughly and there's obviously somebody, one or maybe two people in the background that are committed elsewhere and might be available. And hopefully they said early April, if, 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 if I'm right in saying that. So they're obviously very, very close with somebody. I don't know how it takes that long, Damien, for the FAI to get it sorted, particularly if, as has been reported widely, they just need to tie Lee Carsley down. I mean, that one seems to have gone cold now. But if that was the case, why would they not just have got it done before now? Lee Carsley, I think there's some qualifiers coming up. Maybe he's humming in hand. He's not sure about it. Maybe he's got some personal issues. And, and I'd say the reason why he's taking so long, right, is you've got to look at the facts that are out there. The pay isn't amazing. You know, it's not up there with, with the type of pay that you're going to be able to attract a certain caliber of manager. So you're kind of eking around for someone that you're hoping will improve you, but you're limited with the salary, right, in terms of your options. And then you've got to look at the job itself. You know, when you look at our last couple of qualifying campaigns, you know, it's not despite what, what, what other people might say, it's not an overly attractive job just yet. There's still a lot of young players developing. The team doesn't really, in my opinion, have a, an identity, so to speak. So there is a lot of work to do. It's not like a job where it's kind of, there's some serious meat on the bone for a manager to go in and go, right, you know, I can really make, um, make miracles with, with this or I can really get this going. It's a little bit thin. So there is an awful lot of work to do. So then you're kind of narrowing your, your window of, of managers again because... If it goes wrong for a certain manager, and let's be honest, the expectation is going to be high and it's going to be a difficult job now for us with our Nations League group that we have with England and the qualifiers coming up, it's going to be difficult for a manager to get to the next World Cup. Obviously, expectations of the Irish public are going to be high. So, you know, there wouldn't be exactly people beating down the door. You know, if it wasn't a great job, but the salary was hugely high, you'd still get managers that will come in and take it. But unfortunately, I don't think that what's there at the moment is, an, is as appealing as what some people might think. Is that is. attitude a bit defeatist, Damien, like by you? Like in the sense that uh, if you're saying, well, the last couple of campaigns haven't been good, the team doesn't have an identity. I mean, another way to look at that is it's all upside for whoever takes this job. Uh, and certainly the last guy who was in the job seems to think this is a good job to have. Uh, what was his quote to Daniel McDonald, the Independent, the other day? It's a good time to take the job now. I think it's a different picture now. If you can get Obafemi on the same pitch as Ben A and Ferguson, Mikey Johnston, you know, okay, he's he's imagining a situation there. But I I think he does have a point. I mean, this is a team that's got 
Evan Ferguson uh, and, you know, some other some other good players. I think it's a better they're in a better place than when Stephen Kenny took them over. There, there's a potential for someone to come in here and um, and have a great time. Uh, two things there. If it's such an amazing prospect, he had the job recently and it didn't work out to be amazing for him. So it's all well and good saying that, but the evidence would suggest that he couldn't do it. On top of that, you're looking at a manager. Managers are career people, right? Everyone's looking to climb the ladder. Everyone's looking to, to progress and get better. And they look at the next job as, as a vehicle to, to progress themselves. So who's looking at the Ireland job? Young and up-and-coming manager, absolutely. But as I said, it's not a dead cert that you're going to do well in this job. You know, you're not taking over like a team, let's say Wales in 2014, that has Gareth Bale in it. And you're going, do you know what? I can really move mountains with this job or, or, or I'm capable of it. It's going to be difficult. You're going to really have to corral everybody together and 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 make a monumental effort to be successful. This team isn't going to take isn't going to take that much effort to to get together. I mean, sure, they're desperate to they're desperate for someone to come in and say this is the way. But I'm talking about success for a manager. If someone's going to be using Ireland to progress their career, whatever it might be, um, then qualification is what you're looking at. Like. And do you think that this Ireland team right now is capable of qualifying for a major tournament? Um, I, I, I wouldn't say it's it's obvious that we're going to qualify. But when you've got when when you've got like uh, when when you've got maybe underestimated potential, a recent history of failure, and rock bottom expectations. I mean, that's a great that that's getting in on the ground floor as as a as a manager. You know, I mean, and you, you could really. I mean, if if for instance Ireland, you know, managed to get some good results in this Nations League campaign, given the group that they're in, I mean, that would be like that would be incredible. I mean, it would be uh, there is the possibility for things to to also go well. I mean, it it surely has to happen to us at some point that things will go well. It absolutely has, and listen, it might do. But what I'm saying is, you're speaking to people about a job, and salary isn't huge. So all of a sudden, people are going to be like, "Why would I stake my reputation for a salary that's, you know, as reportedly what it's supposed to be?" They're looking to progress their career. They're looking to improve. Um, they obviously can't find someone. You know, it's not jumping. It's it's someone like Steve Cars and uh, Lee Carsey, sorry, um, to to come and get it. You know, it, they've been chasing after. Him. Perhaps they believe that there is a chance that he'll get it, or they, he will want it, or they will get him somewhere up the road. But also, there's a, a possibility that they can't really find anyone, and they're still looking, and they're still hoping that something comes together. So it's too hard to call. It's too difficult to say um, because, as I said, and, and the FEI deserve an awful lot of credit for this, for keeping it as as, as quiet as what they have done. I, um, and all we can do is just guess. I'm, I'm amazed, actually, to hear you say that they deserve a lot of credit because you're, you're the only person I've heard giving them credit for that. Most people... Um, that I've I've uh, heard talking about this seem to say this is a disgrace. It's dragged on for so long. They don't have a clue what they're doing. It's embarrassing. You know, they I mean, they've said, of course. Yeah, but we don't know that they don't have a clue what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like that's what I'm saying to you. It's like there's nothing come out in public that would suggest that they don't know what they're doing because it's we kept so in house and it's and I think they deserve credit for that well, because Damien, as a professional, did, that's what you want to do. Yeah, there is a there was there was a report that um, Stephen Bradley supposedly was supposed to be interviewed was was told he's getting interviewed and then that didn't happen. For example, so th- things are I'm not saying the FAI are leaking that I don't know why they would because it wouldn't it doesn't do them any credit. But little things like that are coming out which would lead you to believe that the process isn't like flawless or or overly robust. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if there is any truth to that or where that came from. Um, I'm not sure there. But look, I mean, it's very hard to find a manager. 
and they want to find the right person and they're not going to rush into the decision or pick someone that they aren't happy with. By the way, Murph, we might be burying the lead somewhat by talking about John O'Shea so much. Go on. Because Damien also told us about O'Shea's assistant for this job, Paddy McCarthy. Yes, yes. Part of the management team at Crystal Palace, a former yep. teammate of Damien's. He was caretaker manager there between the Hodgson Don't you tell me. Glasner reigns. Unbelievable record with the underage teams at Crystal Palace. Under 18s, they only missed out in the title and goal difference. Under 23s, finished fifth and fourth in the couple of years. Okay. That he was in charge there. Above the likes of Manchester United and Tottenham. The O'Shea Arsenal and McCarthy dream team. Well, in fact, this is what I'm saying. O'Shea might have to just get edged out there. Paddy, Paddy McCarthy Do the old switcheroo man The little switcheroo One there. becomes two Two becomes I one I can see a scenario In five years time Where Paddy McCarthy Is the Crystal Palace manager Or managing some other Premier League mm. team To great success And we're like Oh there was a short window there where We, we could have got McCarthy We well, could have got Paddy Mac I can't even tell you Who's Tisha And who's Tarnished anymore So <laughs> why not just Give it confusing. to the Give it a pair of them Yeah They can just yeah, just Roy Evans match. and Jared Hoody worked well who's, on that. who's doing the job this week who cares? We're winning. Yeah. Hands up winning under these two. It wasn't just international football on the agenda this week. Ken fears what might await Manchester United in the Manchester Derby on Sunday. You get the feeling with City that they've kind of been sitting there. Like, did you see Guardiola's comment from his press conference about the Carabao Cup final? No. Well, he was saying, oh, yeah, you know, when I came to England, like Brian, Brian Kidd told me, oh, Carabao Cup, don't, don't worry about that. You know, play the kids. Uh, you know, Ferguson always just didn't care about it. You know, just just pick kids. No one cares. No one cares. Well, I don't know what's happened in the last few years. I don't know what's happened. Carabao Cup final suddenly, whoa, whoa, you know, <laughs> and and it was hard to know whether he was kind of whether what he was saying there was he's mocking Jurgen Klopp. There surely is what's happening there. Yeah, well, look, he has himself won the Carabao, or I don't know if it's always been the Carabao. He won the League Cup four times, I think. Yeah, and has usually taken it seriously. When you look at his team selections, you know, he's not, he's kind of usually played, it's not unusual for City to play their best players in this competition, not even, not just in the final. Um, and he has won it more times than anyone else in the time that he's been in England. Um, so, you know, I don't know if he was just saying, look, you know, people don't respect it enough. And I, by the way, have won it quite a lot. Mm. And, you know, I I feel like I'm not, I'm king of the caravan. I feel like I've been disrespected in this country, frankly. Mm. You know, there may have been a bit of that. Or was it just, I'm so sick of hearing about that game on Sunday. Yeah. I can't, I've already got toxic shock from all of the, um, oh, club, kindergarten club stories that I've had to read about this game, which apparently nobody cares about, or at least they don't when we win it. You know, mm-hmm. this seemed to be, anyway, I get the feeling that City were kind of raring to get back in the spotlight a little bit and be like, you know, we're actually, you know, everyone is like, oh, Arsenal. <laughs> Arsenal have only conceded 1.9 XG in 2024. <laughs> no, yeah, everyone is saying that. No, there people are saying, no, everyone is saying that. This is... Don't point that finger at me. No, look, do you do, do you or do you not have access to the internet? I do. Okay, well, if you go on the internet, one of the main things on the internet these days, I think 20% of all internet traffic at this point is people talking about Arsenal only having conceded 1.9 XG in 2024, <laughs> right? And comparing it feels it like to your the, internet's a little different to my internet. Well, you know, I suppose I, I see what I see what the internet decides to show me now. I used mm. to think I, I chose what I saw, but yeah, now it's, you're not, they you're, they kind of switched that around a little bit. Yeah. And now, for some you're reason, not tailoring at that over it, there. Look, 1.9 XG, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. You know, Liverpool, older than Chelsea, albeit, yet still young. And with so many great fans and so many lovely songs and such a, such wonderful enthusiasm, winning the Carabao Cup, 
Right. And meanwhile, Man City are just sitting there in the corner. No one is. No one cares about them. You know, the other three cups, we actually won all of those, and not that long ago. Yeah. In fact, about nine months. Ago. So, so I guess the thing they kind of came out. They sort of they they sort of burst out of the traps a little bit here, and it was really it was it was a real stop. He's already dead type of performance. Um, well, he nearly came back to life for a period. Well, that's true. Um, so Haaland just had to go and score another two goals. I was thinking of that uh, Detroit Lions football coach. It's coming. The legs being bitten off left, right and centre. Just <laughs> rising. Only to have more limbs being snapped off. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll stop now. We'll stop coming back at 5-2. It's coming. We're coming, says Haaland. Who, I mean, he, you know. He is sort of leaning into his, his sort of Terminator persona, I think. Mm-hmm. It's got me. We're coming. Uh, I'm getting back. Finally, I'm feeling good. It's an amazing feeling. Exciting times ahead. We are ready to attack. So, you know, it, this 1.9 XG stuff and, and all these uh, academy players and so on and so forth. Yeah, At the end great. of the day, <laughs> the boy in a pass the ball to Haaland, he smashes it into, you know, mercilessly. Yeah. Repeat, uh, repeat the dose. Yeah, so so I, f- I feel like um, uh, I think it's a it's an interesting time to have the second Manchester Derby of the season, which is on Sunday. Now, Eric Ten Hag has spent the last uh, well it was spent much of yesterday morning grappling with Jamie Carragher. Now, I don't know if you saw Jamie Carragher's piece about Manchester United on MNF. Yeah, so Man United lost to Fulham. Man United conceded 20-plus shots against Fulham. It was a bit of a disaster. Carragher did a uh, piece on it. Uh, Ten Hag says yesterday, some analysts, because this was all put to him, obviously, this is what happens. We watch the television, we go and say to the manager, oh, uh, this guy just said this about you on TV. What do you think? Like, it was the same with Pochettino after the League Cup. Gary Neville said you were, you know, checks notes, Billion pound bottle jobs. <laughs> you know, what do you think? I saw the headlines of that, but Poch strikes back at Neville. And then I read the quotes and he was being so polite. I really respect Gary. I get on great with him. He um, didn't I, hit back. I have to disagree with him on this matter. Yeah, he, d- he didn't hit back. He just kind of said, he just sort of said some stuff about how Gary is a, you know, a fine man, fine, fine person. Yeah. Um, but uh, Ten Hag did hit back. Ten Hag said, some analysts are very objective in their comments. Some are very subjective. Jamie Carragher from the first moment has criticized and he now wants to make his point. Probably in the first half hour of the Fulham game. Yes, he had a point. <laughs> Fulham set up their midfield in a way that surprised us a little. But after half an hour, we found the solutions. Uh, now, he says so he says her Carragher is not uh, objective. That's clearly true. Right, Jamie Carragher is is not objective in the sense that he's clearly a partisan, like a Liverpool supporter. I mean, remember the whole thing that happened that the, after Arsenal beat Liverpool, and Carragher was so wound up by the mm. by the uh, old guard. Get down the tunnel. I'm serious. Yeah, I'm serious. Now, <laughs> so I mean, you could you could hear there how annoyed he was. So he is clearly in, emotionally invested in the outcome here in a way that like a perfectly objective or dispassionate pundit wouldn't be. However, I still think that the 
analysis he presented has to be taken on its own merits. And I'm not saying that Ten Hag should uh, should actually sit there and and like you know produce maybe a sheaf of notes and go well actually in frame one Cargo showed this, but in fact what he didn't realize was this. You know that actually gets in and, mm. and you know there's a certain element of well you know he says that but he's Marcelo Bielsa so. strikes me as a manager who might do something like that. Yeah, Bielsa or obviously Rafa is the is the king of. Um, producing a sheaf of papers you know which wouldn't which so i'm not i think it would have been bad for ten Hag to do that there would have been some some unfortunate echoes from his point of view uh, considering the club that he's at but so okay so he says basically Carragher's bias can't take him seriously but we we're not the man united manager so we can look at this and say Carragher made some good points right the the points that he made basically were the the basic thrust of it was manchester united's approach makes no sense because the front half of the team is trying to press high and the back line is sitting back. Hmm. What's what's the problem with that? The problem is, and I can see that on Carragher's Twitter today, he has changed his header picture to... Uh, <laughs> you, you have a look at it there and describe what he has changed it to. He changes it a bit. <laughs> well, I went there to just check something in, in the in the video, which I knew he posted there, and I saw this change. Yeah, so he he's, he's pointing at a, a large box that... Sh- is the area of the field where you would expect a midfield to be and there is no Manchester United player in that box. It's him It's him basically presenting that, that analysis from Monday night and pointing at this Manchester United setup uh, where you see the defensive line the defensive line just on halfway and everyone else ahead of the ball and then two Fulham players in this huge box in the middle and Carragher smiling with pleasure. Yeah. Because obviously this makes him happy to see but it doesn't mean that just because he's happy to see it that it's not Real. Good analysis. You know what I mean? And uh, I think this is a problem for uh, for Ten Hag. Not, not Carragher specifically, but the faults that Carragher was talking about are real. And there was some stats in terms of the shots that Manchester United have been facing. Um, in terms of teams that have faced 16 plus shots against in a game. It's happened to United in 14 out of 26 games. So that's worse than anybody else in the league. It's, it's level with Sheffield United and Luton. 14 out of 26 uh, games. The opposition has had 16 or more shots. Like Arsenal, obviously zero times. They've only conceded 1.9 XG in 2024. Of course. Um, but an even more uh, surprising one was uh, on a similar theme. Uh, tw- when you look at uh, how many times has your team faced 20 or more shots by the opposition? in a game, looking at Premier League games. So comparing Ten Hag, Arteta, Guardiola, and Klopp, mm-hmm. all of the Premier League games that they've played. Obviously, Klopp has played the most, you know, Klopp 322 games, Guardiola 292, Arteta 161, Ten Hag only 64. But how many times in those games has their team faced 20 or more shots? For Ten Hag, it was 12 times in 64 matches so once every 5.3 games how many times at a guess do you think it was if it's 12 in 64 for Ten Hag how many times has this happened to Klopp under Liverpool remember that this is a team which was not very good when 14 times over. 14 times in, three, times in 322 games 11 times 322 games yeah 11 I, did, I know what you've asked me it's twice <laughs> it's happened twice in 322 games. So every 161 games, they have a defensive performance, which is as bad as is happening to Ten Hag's Manchester United every five matches mm. over the period that he's that he's been there, which is, they've 
at some points they've been playing well, at other points not so well. But this has been a kind of a constant theme. Two times for Klopp, four times for Guardiola in 292 games, seven times for Arteta in, in 161 games. And already, even though he's only had 64 matches, 12 times for Ten Hag, which suggests a, uh, there's, there's a problem in terms of setting the team up. Right, they can't figure out how to control games in the defensive sense. Mm. Now, uh, Rich Shelley was talking; had mentioned some of the very, very similar numbers to us when we talked to him on Monday. Um, th- this is objective. Th- th- it could, it can't be more objective than just these numbers, you know. And and for him to talk about subjective is, you know, you'd really hope he had a better. Um, a better line. There's on also this. a personnel issue there, right? So he's doing this high. high High press, low block. That's fine if you're if you have some amazing idea to change the way football is played based on the players you have. That's one thing. But the midfield that's being exposed here the other day had Casemiro in it. Like, oh my god, he just can't run anymore. Oh, oh well, I mean, but and, he's, and, and Kobe Mainu, who looks very talented, mm. but was getting absolutely swamped. And mm. Casemiro is, you know, Frank O'Mara compared to uh, uh, Ericsson at the moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, Christian Ericsson... Because Ericsson then came on for Casemiro. Yeah, I mean, Christian Ericsson can... <laughs> he can no longer run. No. Yeah, it's... Um, so to leave these guys, to leave that area completely exposed, you, know, you might be backing it if you've got if you've got two of the best number sixes in the world with an unbelievable all-action yeah. midfielder ahead of them. You might, oh, we'll take our chances here a little bit. There's also the problem that the press isn't really... A, like, Marcus Rashford is leading your press. That's not ideal. Everyone yeah. saw the clip of him, well, I'm sure a lot of people did, against Luton. Did we mention that the oh, other day? God, yeah. we, might no, we, didn't, we didn't mention but yeah, I, it was obviously It's a just a clip where, where clip. he gets walked around by a Luton player. Like, he's just, he, your man's just strolling around and he's just, ugh, like, traipsing after him with no effort to get the ball. At 2-1 up with a few minutes to go. It's not great. No, and, yeah, I mean, it really... It, it it wasn't great, and for this this Man City game I feel could not really come at a worse moment for Ten Hag with Holland being out and you know the whole Ratcliffe stuff having happened last week and the sort of well you know let's see what happens and Holland having scored five it's just I'm afraid I'm afraid there's a really ugly a familiar yet ugly look to this that we're going to be sitting here on Monday. I feel we may be talking about this game at some length. It has been a big week in the GAA with Charlotte Burns coming in, Murph. I'm going to say this is the most trumpeted appointment of a GAA president Mm. I can recall. Fanfare, trumpeting, all that sort of stuff going on. All sorts of musical instruments being banged and blown into. I barely hear his amazing words (laughs) in Congress with all the instruments playing him on stage. Yeah, it uh, it would... I mean, there's a lot of... I mean, I don't think excitement is... Probably over-egging it slightly. But there's a lot of anticipation, you know. People know Jarrett Burns. They knew him as a player yeah. 25 years ago uh, as like a, a very fine captain of a, a coming Armagh team. Won the Ulster title in 1999 in its final season. They know him as um, a very erudite TV pundit and radio pundit. Uh, they have seen and like everything they've heard about his work as a school principal in Northern Ireland, bringing the students to, you know, Orange Order lodges and pride marches. And, you know, Charlotte Burns is, by any metric, a very decent skin. Mm. Now, whether that translates into, you know, a revolution in the next three years, I don't know. Who knows? But he's got it. He's certainly... Talk the talk he's and the talk. The talk. He's, got the, he's got the energy, he's got the drive, he's got the ambition. He seems to want to make a change yeah. rather than just 
be a placeholder. For, Absolutely, for years. And I, um, so we'll see what happens with yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited. One of his I mean, chief I'm a, ambitions. I'm a GA yeah. dork. One of his chief ambitions is to sort out Gaelic football as a spectacle. He has appointed Jim Gavin to head up a new committee on that, and that is a, a very clever appointment, says our man Paul Flynn. Firstly, he, he would have like a strong philosophical view on game, on the game, right? I remember early doors. Yeah, getting a snippet of that, like you wouldn't have seen this a lot of the times, but I remember sitting in front of him and he was trying to show me something on his laptop and he was opening up these folders and like he has literally like a Bible of GAA, right? And like all these different folders and subfolders of like, you know, defensive organization, forward organization, values. Dublin split on the two. <laughs> but no, but it's, all, it's his own stuff. Like it wasn't even like Dublin G. This is like really early doors when he started. Like it just kind of, yeah. it just opened my mind to like, like, um, this is the type of character that you're dealing with here. Like, you know, very, very thorough. Everything is thought out, um, you know, um, planned like, years in advance, right? He's that kind of long-term thinker, you know? And that just gives me, like, when I just see him going on to this, he's not, like, going to sit in a committee and just sit there. Like, he just sat and he chaired, like, the, this. The, there was a Citizens' Assembly recently, and he chaired that yeah. for a Dublin mayor, you know, or I can fully remember what it was, but I remember meeting him and how thorough he was going through the process. Like, you know, like that's the type of individual you're dealing with. So he would share this really, really professionally. And that might scare the GA a little bit. I don't know whether they know what they're getting themselves in for, but like maybe that's what we're going to get with Charlotte Burns, right? And I was chatting to Murph he, about he this. He said that, you know. Paul. He, he actually said that. He, he said that he doesn't want to be a comfortable president. He wants to have conversations that are, awkward, that are awkward. And I think that this is, you know, one of the key conversations and Jim Gavin isn't going to make it comfortable for him. No, and like, I had a lot of really difficult run-ins with Charlotte when I was in the GPA. But I also, I always left him thinking that, okay, but he's strong-minded, but like, it's just because I didn't agree with him, it just didn't mean that he wasn't like, you know, he, he didn't have a bit about him. And the amount of times you go against guys where you say, Jesus, he's just doing this for the wrong reasons, in within the GEA echelons. And I'd be like, but I always felt he had a bit about him and he's definitely got an ego. And I'm not saying that's a negative ego or, 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 or anything like that. It's just that he's got, a, he's got an ego and we, the GEA has, I've questioned, has it lacked leadership for so long? It's lacked a voice. It's like somebody who's just going to go and do something ballsy, right? Even if it doesn't make breaks things a little bit and they need to be fixed. It doesn't really matter. It's just somebody who's actually going to come out and say, I'm the head of the GA here and this is the direction we're going in. And I, I always wanted it to actually transcend a three-year term because what you really need is a 10-year strategy. Someone who's going to really go at it and say, this is my vision for the game or our vision for the game and he's going to go at it. And that's real leadership because it's not about your legacy over because you're not going to get the plaudits for it. You've started something much bigger and much higher purpose than what the, that's what the association needs. And this could be part of that. So I gotta, you know, I, I, I think Jared is gonna be good. And I think if, if there's any issues over the next three years, I would be, I would be very surprised if he doesn't come out and face them. You know, and I've always questioned the GA. It's like, you know, when something goes wrong, it's like you're kind of looking and you're saying it's the GAA, right? It's like the bloody, it's just like a thing, right? There's no one actually that's faceless, essentially, right? I think we like. We should try and rally behind this, right? In a in a weird way, right? Like and um because he could get stopped with the rest of the GAA, right? Like the 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 system could stop him in his tracks because he could be, be he could be too ballsy in what he's trying to do. And that happens quite a lot. Like he used to get things over the line in Congress. And we go back to this football committee. It's gonna be very hard for if, if 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 these guys come up with some good stuff, right? And people and the media and everybody's kind of saying this is the right direction. 
it's going to be really, really difficult for them not to get it over the line. So I think that's a kind of a, a core part of it too, is recruiting the good people that he's doing. I should say here, the World Service members hear Paul Flynn and Michael Murphy regularly throughout the league. So it's well worth signing up if you're a Gaelic football fan for, in our opinion, the best country team around. Secondcaptains.com, five euro a month plus VAT to sign up. It's member-led broadcasting. It's ad-free yeah. if you become a member. And the Second Captains podcast. Yeah, on it's part of the ACAST Creator Network. And I've never wavered on that. No. You check. You can check my record. You can check my record on. I've never wavered on that. Back here. Yeah, he said it last week. Week before. Week before that. What is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never got home. They never got home. They never got home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sport's important.